commentaries filling in those gaps uh, with Amy's Choice, a story of uh, dreams, realities and nightmares. So what did you two think of this when it first aired? I liked it quite a lot. Um, I thought it was a more interesting episode um, focusing on kind of Amy's character really via the, the nightmare and dreams. I wasn't didn't like the ending, but apart from that, I thought it was one that had a bit more depth than the other episodes, which was one of the reasons why I liked it. I did this usual thing, as I can't remember, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can never remember. I think, no, I do think I remember liking this one. I think they did the dream thing quite well. It could have been quite obvious. Mm. I can't remember what the ending was, to be honest with them. Um, I'm sure I'll have more useful comments once we've watched it again. <laughs> but what did you think, Caleb? Yeah, I I really enjoyed this one. I thought uh, it was a bit different. And um, I like it when you have episodes that uh, do something that feels a little bit out of place almost, because that shows that it's um, expanding the range of Doctor Who and doing something slightly different. And uh, it did have that feel of something written because um, it's written by Simon Nye of Men Behaving Badly and various other uh, things, but um, of someone perhaps less, uh, fam- I don't know how familiar he is with Doctor Who, but just the feeling of someone uh, not writing with uh, so much to the established style um, of the show, which is um, you also got with... Vincent and the Doctor to some extent. Yeah, I just enjoy it when um, it does do something different and uh, a bit more original for Doctor Who. And Doctor Who does have a tradition of uh, episodes that are a bit more out there, such as um, The Edge of Destruction, which is probably one of its closest parallels, which is set entirely inside the TARDIS. Um, It was one of the very early stories. It was the third story. Mm-hmm. And had all sorts of strange goings-on as uh, the TARDIS tried to communicate that something was wrong to uh, the TARDIS crew. And then you had stuff like The Mind Robber, uh, which was set in the land of fiction. But, yeah, that kind of slightly trippier, more uh, reality-bending stuff isn't something that the new series has particularly done uh it's played with that a bit more um since then with stuff like madame Kavarian uh doing the slightly more surrealist uh stuff uh but yeah i i really like uh they pushed it in that direction james willets however uh hated it and you can read his review about why uh, it should be called Boring's Boring rather than Amy's Choice. Uh, back on our review, Swiven is shaking his head, which works well on audio. <laughs> As ever. <laughs> Just clearly didn't have enough explosions for James. <laughs> well, most things don't have enough explosions for James. Uh, or enough deaths. Maybe he wants to get remade by Michael Bay. Probably, mm. yes. And it is interesting coming back to this episode now that we know a bit more about how things worked out with Amy and Rory in terms of their family and relationship and their real baby, Melody Pond. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to uh, yeah review it in retrospect. So, if you're listening along at home, press play now. So, I heard somewhere that there had been some force of splitting the series for series five, and if they had, then it would have ended with 
Frank Posefenis is the first half of the run uh, with the silence falling as a sort of mini cliffhanger and then this would be the kind of surprise um, twist op- opener that what? Amy and Rory have left, stopped travelling with the Doctor. I think that would have worked quite well up until now when Rory turns up with this haircut. <laughs> I think that's the point where you start to believe something's not right. Yes, that's um, ponytail really is the stuff of nightmares. She really shouldn't be eating more cake mix when she's pregnant. Yeah, it's raw eggs in that. That's, <laughs> that's not... Now, Swiven here is in a state of impending fatherhood. Apparently. <laughs> so I'm told. So, yes, I'm quite familiar with what my wife should or should not eat. <laughs> Which is a bit of a role reversal. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, Doctor chipping over the flower bed. Yeah, I think it would have made it slightly more plausible that they might have done the time jump if it had come after a break. But um, yeah, but I I do like, I mean, um. Did you find, did it take you in at all that they might have done a five year later jump with the characters? Um, I don't remember, I don't think so. Something seemed strange, not just Roy's haircut. Yeah, just... Roy's haircut is a real issue. I can't remember, I can't remember what the trailer was like. Did the trailer give, you know, as in oh, the, the yeah. what's coming next week, that mm. probably would have given us some... I can't remember what it was like. I mean, I think if they'd have done the break, it would have been a good idea. Mm. It would have, it probably would have worked quite well, even for a short time. But it's too quaintly uh, British village, English village type setup. You know, something's about something's to go. going on. It's like this is a hammer think... setup. You know, this, it, 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 Christopher Lee's going to appear or something. <laughs> yeah. Christopher Lee is, is the vicar or something. That would be disturbing. Yeah, it's probably just because we watched the Damons recently. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't. No, 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 no. But yeah, I watched the first episode. Um, oh, uh, speaking of which, there's another quiz of Rassilonks. Uh, the Damons was um, one of the things that's the last Doctor Who quiz here in Cardiff. Um so, yeah. I suppose the next one will be next week. Will it? Yes, it's next, it's next week. Is it on Bank Holiday Monday? Yeah. Oh, I'm not oh, here. I'm not here. <laughs> uh, Bank Holiday Monday is not a good day to get. Yeah. This is probably the point where you realise things, something's not quite right when they all fall asleep on a park bench. Yeah, and they don't have a can of tenants. Or Smiths. Smiths. Very nice. Although I don't think they'd encourage that on, uh, on, a, on a family show. <laughs> the Doctor is now sponsored by John Smith. <laughs> well, I did say that does look. I'm still convinced that this TARDIS setup looks like a nightclub. <laughs> it just expects a bar with some vodka. Look at, look at the uh, yeah. I don't know what clubs you're going to, Swizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who, the nightclub. Although, actually, that would be infinitely cooler than the. Uh, well, cool is probably not the word, but. That would be infinitely more interesting than most of the clubs. But uh, yeah, it would. <laughs> I don't think it'd be cooler <laughs> in our in our standards. It would be cooler, but um, the wider world may not think the same. Obviously, the wider world are wrong. Okay. <laughs> Matt Smith this, this morning was uh, carrying the Olympic torch. He was. Uh, oh, was he? In an echo of the plot of Fear Her. Oh, no. <laughs> I, um, I, was, I was tempted for all of about three seconds to go and watch, but then I realised that it was half past six in the morning on a Saturday morning <laughs> yeah. at the bay, and I was like, mm, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I, I do know people who had gone down to see him now. I. Um, I saw the Olympic torch go down Newport Road. Yeah. Um, was it on? 
Yes. It was, it was working, okay. Um, but Matt Smith's come out and said he's very honoured to do the... Uh, to be running with the torch today. Although somebody, somebody comment, one of my friends commented, it's not really the best time for running around with flame. No, I know. <laughs> Down the road. I, I like this bit here. I like the panning shot all the way round. It reminds me yeah. of, and I'm going to get the episode completely, <sighs> Prisoner X. This is Mm. What's uh, the episode called? Prisoner X. Uh, Smith and Jones? No, no, no. no. Uh, uh, Elephant Hair. Uh, thank yeah. you. They're the same episode. They're they, 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 they exactly the same. Well, they're not exactly the same, but there's they a lot are. of... The setting is very similar to some of, of Eleventh Hour, isn't it? And yes, well, it's supposed to be Leadsworth again, but this is Upper Leadsworth. Yes, um, to, they, they've upgraded. Um well, it means it's it's cheaper than uh, decking out Flander uh, um, yeah. uh, Green for. But those camera shots you got you got in Eleventh Hour, didn't we? Mm. And I love Matt Smith's uh, little smile when he says, "This is going to get complicated." Yes. <laughs> Yeah, directed by Catherine Morshead. Do you remember she's done other episodes? No, I remember Doctor Who wiki come to our rescue. <laughs> yeah, I, I will try to find it. I won't know the I answer, really but I don't recognise. Um, uses the uh, split-level TARDIS um, mm. set it quite well here. Yeah. You get most of the low shots going up. We, we see a lot more of the TARDIS in this episode than we generally do. They come in and out of it a lot more than... Well, it's basically... It's, it's half, probably half the episode, isn't it? They spend it yeah. here and half they spend in the... the um, in the early days of scale saying Edge of Destruction, the TARDIS is quite expans- extensive. It mm. just seems to have random lots of stuff. Like, um, it has a food machine that produces tablets, I think. Yes, yeah. uh, to, to eat out of it's like a whole well, sort of complex Mars bar type things that taste of bacon and eggs. Yes, almost like uh, Charlie. Mm-hmm. I was going to say very Charlie and Chocolate Char- Factory. Was that written then? I have no idea. Was Charlie and Chocolate Factory written? Because I've been sixty-four. Yeah. What's written slightly earlier? Tardis has turned off. I get the impression possibly not, Caleb. I don't think she has. Hmm. Um, or if she has somebody needs to go and link to it on Doctor Who Wiki because it's not it's not on there Uh, here we go (laughs) nice old ladies (laughs) Rory is a doctor I love how they give the impression that it's that's the natural progression from nurse to doctor. <laughs> it's technically not. Mm. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, it's not progression. It makes no sense. It's completely different. You can obviously go from one to the other, but is there a fast track? Um, mm. well, not really. Yeah. <laughs> Only the usual postgraduate entry, but yeah. Anyway, that was just. I think since one of the first time I watched this, it reminded me a little bit of um, oh, what's the one that's not uh, Shaun of the Dead? The one after that, Hot Fuzz. Yes. Hot fuzz. Oh yeah. Yeah, it does have a very Hot Fuzz feel about it. In this bit where everything seems to be fine, but it's not. It's all per- and it's yeah, even all all, evil old people. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, which yeah. is brilliant. Wonderfully irresponsible. Yeah. No. And I think I hold the quite controversial position that I think Hot Fuzz is actually better. Than Shaun of the Dead. Oh no, I, I think it's better than Shaun of the Dead. Ah, yeah. somebody else agrees. I don't know. Mm. I think. Yeah, no, I think I... I. I thought it was a bit more interesting of uh, the whole anti-conservative thing, basically with Hot Fuzz. Whereas now, maybe I'm not a huge horror fan. I didn't get most of the horror jokes, as many as the in horror jokes as I could have otherwise done in Shaun of the Dead. That was just oh, it was slightly nasty zombie thing, which is vaguely funny in part. Which is funny in parts. So it didn't really have. I don't think it had a, a through through kind of um, theme than, as Hot Fuzz did well it, it's the whole um, slacker guy learning to step up and take responsibility just with 
um, uh, a zombie apocalypse is the catalyst, basically. And it's also got the whole joke about um, people becoming zombies and us not noticing the difference. Yeah. Oh, here we have... Toby Jones. Yes, as the Dream Lord. Who I think is one of the reasons why I remember liking this a lot, because he has absolutely no idea who he is or what to do with him. Mm. At all, he's in a completely unknown quantity, uh, which is rare these days. Yeah. Say about the Veil Yard references, it could could well be something similar to that. Obviously, considering the ending and what he's wearing. Because mm. um, uh, who's he uh, tweeted us to say that uh, they'd have, um, loved it if uh, there'd have been uh, revealed a connection between uh, the Dream Lord and the Valyard, who in Trial of the Time Lord, a Colin Baker story, is uh, the future dark side of the Doctor um, uh, who's been given independent existence by uh, temporal shenanigans and he's trying to steal the Doctor's past and future or something. It's all a bit, really it's, this. It's all a bit convoluted. Um, Terence Dix, In Doctor Who? Never! This is another level of convoluted. Terence Dix went back in The Eight Doctors to try and uh, explain it and uh, make sense of it. Why? He just made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it that um, the Dream Lord turns up and just basically takes the mick mercilessly <laughs> about out of all the worst excesses of <laughs> Doctor Who and the Doctor's character. Uh. Here we go, we've got a nice set, we've got the setup now. Mm-hmm. With the real, non-real. Mm. Did we generally think at this point one of them was real and one wasn't real? Obviously knowing what happens later on. I mean, at the, yeah. at the surface, I think the immediate assumption is that the TARDIS is real and this is fake. Yeah. yeah. I think on the basic, if you're a child watching this, that's what we're going to think. What did, did we think at the time? I thought that was most likely, but I thought... I, I don't know. Um, I don't remember. I, I think I might have suspected. Oh, it might be both. That uh, I thought. I basically. <laughs> that's a good what? line. You die, you stupid. That's why it's called reality. Yes. I think what I remember is that I assume that possibly the the explanation could be is that this is fake and the TARDIS is real. But I was hoping that they'd do something more interesting with it, and that oh. the base that basic thought wouldn't be the answer. If that makes sense. Doctor's got a nice woolly jumper on there with the dog, yes. Scotty Dog. Yes, it's got one arm because the lady was still knitting it. Ah, that's right. I thought it was a tank top. <laughs> no, 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 tank tops have no arms either. So. Yeah, I know, it was like a semi tank top. <laughs> that's cool. I like the whole running joke about the running and with Amy being pregnant, which actually then does become. Um, a way of ramping up the tension because some people can't move very quickly but then neither can Amy Ooh. yeah that's true <laughs> tawdry quirk interestingly Amy said this is um, one of her favourite parts to film in the series was running around pregnant <laughs> If she was actually pregnant, she really wouldn't. No, I know, yeah, if it was real, she wouldn't have enjoyed it so much. Oh, I'm reliably informed that uh, moving quickly with such an uh, asymmetric uh, figure is not... Um, well, well, asymmetric from the side. <laughs> I love how useless the two of them are. <laughs> I like that bit. Oh, <laughs> uh, go Amy. Yay! I do love how both of them are useless. And they both say, Well, you're a doctor. Well, you're a doctor too. Yes. 
Neither of you are uh, it's just, any use. This also contains the first of Rory's many deaths. Does it? Oh, this is the first time Rory dies. Mm. This is a castle in Wales, isn't it? Yes. Um, that which... narrows it down, doesn't it? <laughs> Sorry, I'm glad you caught with the Ops. name of the castle in Wales. Which um, they have hinted is going to have some kind of payoff that he keeps dying. Um, uh, Sken, I, I apologise if I pronounce this wrong. Sken Frith? Mm. Castle? Sken Frith, yeah. There you go. Is this bit current bit here? She is very creepy. Okay, evil woman. It reminds me a little bit, although she obviously isn't because she's appeared already, of the woman from One Foot in the Grave. Oh, yeah. Um, it's really cold. How, how often has a TARDIS kind of, kind of died and kind of fall? Happens in the, in the Doctor's Wife, mm. partially. Any other stories? In, the uh, Rise of the Cybermen. If you count that as recent. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't even recent after 2005. That's fine. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's not a particularly common... Oh, um, uh, it was, I think, World Goth Day a few days ago and uh, Neil, um, Neil Gaiman was awarded... Um, uh, best writer by some goth society, which uh, Lawrence Mars will be saying, "I told you so." I told you so. <laughs> I can tell these scenes in the TARDIS are a lot darker than the other scenes. I can tell you because they're in negative where I'm currently st- sat watching them oh, on right. the laptop. So these are evidently a lot darker than the scenes in uh, where is it, Le- Ledworth? Mm. Yeah, there's quite a visual contrast. I think with with Doctor Who as it's pitched at present, I think that's they felt quite important. Yeah. Regarding the different setups, interestingly, rewatching Battlestar Galactica, they do that for Cybermen occupied Caprica. Mm. He's massively overexposed with yeah. like a sepia filter yeah. which really annoys me but it does make it very obvious yeah. that it's a completely different place which I think is more effective here because it actually looks half decent <laughs> I love that gadget with the why no bottle over sorry it's me throwing my iPhone around Do we think the, the star was cold, or was it hot, or is it both cold and hot? Um, I don't remember thinking about it a great deal. No. Cold can burn, of course. No, that's In there. But you couldn't have a cold, cold fusion no. uh, reaction, like as, as in a star. But then, when has scientific plausibility ever got in the yeah. way of Doctor Who? Yeah, I, know, I never that's usually that's try and think, th- think through these things. I just usually go, oh, okay, that's what we'll go with this time. Yeah. And, and something can be cold enough that it burns. I mean, that's... Toby Jones was in the Hunger Games, of course. He was. Although he was. Did, didn't Not. have much to do apart from no. sit laughing. Um, he played Claudius Templesmith. Did he? Yes. Claudius Templesmith, I think he played. Who, who technically is the, um, the guy who announces all the stuff during the game, so he wants that gives all the announcements when they're in there. But they use him very little. They use oh, Seneca Crane a lot more than they do Claudius, okay. which oh, we actually okay. comment on in our podcast on the Hunger Games that we, we did for Impossible yeah. Pod. 
Um, they mostly use him for exposition. Oh, little do they know that uh, yes. uh, uh, the, these flies are the uh, um, the tracker jackers. Tracker jackers. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, they just use him for the exposition, explaining a few things. But his role would have, if basically, if you take Seneca Crane, the guy with the funky beard, and Claudius Templesmith, oh. they basically merged and redistributed their two roles a bit. Just that bit earlier is quite nice, contrasting Rory and Amy's characters. Uh, mm. This is where Rory would like to be, really. Whereas Amy is more of a city girl, it would seem. Now, um, one uh, Doctor Who story of sorts that really pushed... Um, the boundaries and didn't get published was Jim Mortimer's campaign because this was commissioned as a uh, historical novel but um, it was so um, uh, so much more experimental than um, the uh, BBC editors had expected that they actually uh, declined to publish it but it was then um, self-published as a charity uh, venture, but that involves um, something quite similar in that uh, what what's actually going on is that the TARDIS crew are in a um, kind of TARDIS virtual reality type thing and have to commit suicide repeatedly to try and break out of the cycles. So something like that, and, and they all kind of, and all the um, narratives kind of collapse in on themselves. Yes. And you're not entirely sure, some of the time, who it's actually about. Oh, here we go. Nice. Oh, so you're not allowed to walk with zimmer frames outside. Some of these old people. <laughs> There's a bit of an eye motif in um, series five because you oh. get um, uh, through the crack, you see the big. Um, I, and then you've got the track C the track, yeah, the um, and I like that the doctor knows the convention so well he can just fill in the fact interestingly Toby Jones was also in Captain America the first Avenger and of course he voices <laughs> Dobby the House Elf in mm. Harry Potter. <gasps> Dobby the House Elf. And he's in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Ah, is he? Ah, have you seen that? Yes. Good? Yeah. In fact, in all fairness, we could probably go on for ages. He's, he's been yeah, in. he's, he's been, been in, in so much stuff. He is going to be in the new Snow White and the Huntsman though as well. Oh yeah. Which I haven't seen yet. Weeks, but I think it, yeah, I want to see that. Nah. What did he call her? Chubbs, Chubbs, of which I'd be hitting him, Lala in her. This is one of the few, few times Rory, t- well, it's the start of Rory being slightly heroic. Slightly. Yeah, ineffectually heroic at the moment. <laughs> well, he is, he beating is up an old woman. Being faced with beating up an old woman. <laughs> I, love, I love that shot, just of the yeah. old people slowly... This is a like there's something slightly zombie filmish about this. It's Ooh. definitely got a. Well, it's probably actually it's sort of like the opposite of the village of the damned midwit cuckoos. Rather than having the children, oh, yeah. who are doing it, it's got the old people in the village instead. Now, obviously, it's different, but that similar idea. Mm. There is a real. Um... It's very, very similar to Hot Fuzz. Yeah. This, the setup. Here. It's in- it's interesting that because um, the way uh, society, the different age groups are much more divided from each other than they w- would have been historically, sort of in more traditional communities. There'd be more of a um, different age groups interacting with each other, but. These days, we sort of 
shove all the kids off to school and mm. uh, the old people off into um, uh, old people's homes and yeah I guess there's that anxiety around the, those divisions it's interesting though because um, although it's quite unusual in having the jump they have actually done um, stuff like that with Amy and Rory because when we come back in series 6 I've spent some time living um, at home without the ducks and then pick up their travels again and again um, uh, when he shows up in the Christmas at the end of the Christmas special it's been two years and they're going to resume travelling with him again so um, it's quite interesting. It's I think it's the first time you've had um, companions who've sort of gone back to their everyday lives and then travelled with the Doctor again on the sort of repeated. The only thing that's vaguely similar is Tegan, mm. the only one from the uh, early eighties. Oh well, that was different in that it wasn't deliberate time delay and then going back to the Doctor. Uh, because Emmy Rory always in the stories, but Tegan isn't in some of them, then returns, mm. I think, in Arc of Infinity. Yeah, right. well, that was in the next story. It was just an end of series. Oh, was it? It's like, oh no, she's been left behind. Because uh, okay. I, 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 I've never seen and then them. Then she in... happens to bump into the uh, <laughs> Doctor in the very next story. Right, because I, I haven't seen them in um, Consecutive Order properly, so mm. that was lost on me. I love how he turns up with his own poncho on. (laughs) (laughs) The TARDIS set really is used very effectively in this and very well um, lit just to um, have that sense of something very wrong <laughs> oh no this is a really bad idea yeah you don't want to be doing that no and she's going to be quite heavy as well it's a very effective doctor they just drop her head on the floor now that's what I know about babies you've got a whole head <laughs> yes, but dropping the mother's head on the floor doesn't help either oh no With Rory's hair like that, I just went to have like a, like a really like a cross earring from the eighties. Mm. It's just disturbing. This isn't really the time to get contemplatory. So, do you think Amy and Rory will have a happy ending and be able to go off into the sunset to have a um, normal family life, or are we set for tragedy? Oh, I think yeah. No, I think they'll be downloaded into a computer and live happily ever after. With Mr. Evangelista, Mr. Evangelista with a proper face. This time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> referring to crew proper Dave and other Dave. Yes. We live on forever. In the mainframe of the computer. Yeah. The techno-gnostic um, paradise. These old people are almost... It's also quite knowing of Doctor Who, of having the uh, baddies being really slow. <laughs> yeah. I remember Colin Baker saying, like, it was not really very very difficult getting away from the monsters. He just sidestepped because yeah. he'd be away from them in an, in an instant because they're really slow. But they do seem to have slightly more superior strength. Yeah. But they're slow. Cold star. That's nice. Mm. Mm. Almost organic. It is interesting how they um, uh, do set this up so it does become 
the clues in the title, Amy's Choice. Yeah, but this it's, is the point where it becomes clear. Yes. It's, That's a disturbing <laughs> Yeah. Um, between Rory and the Doctor. Mm. And um, it marks a step in this whole st- storyline of uh, her character and her relationship with the two, which in many yeah. ways forms part of the backbone of um, the series, uh, where you see that actually Rory is the one for her, even though yeah. she's sort of swept off her feet and infatuated with the Doctor for a time. Actually, it's always Rory. It just doesn't make quite, quite so much sense here. She's covered in sort of ice or frost or whatever, but she's not shivering. She's, mm. There's no bodily symptoms of being cold, which doesn't make sense. Well, it makes it more interesting, but not in a good way. <laughs> With Rory's hair like that, it should be in a remake of Natural Born Killers. Yeah, sorry, yeah, lost on me. Yeah, from... sorry. Oliver Stone film for the other quite controversial. They have particularly bad hair in <laughs> it. Racing around. Not in a fire engine this time. (laughs) But it actually does look like one because it's red. Another callback to the life of Kyle. Toby Jones is a stig. (laughs) (laughs) They ought to have the stig as the Doctor Who monster sometime. Yeah. Although it's slightly like the slabs in um, Smith and Jones, though. Because wasn't. The original Stig actually in black, or one of yeah. the earliest. Stig. One of the I think they've had three or four. One of them you had black Stig, yeah. Yeah, one point. of the early ones was. But for the 50th anniversary, they could um, uh, have the Doctor popping up in all sorts of other shows. It'd be quite yeah. quite fun. Just. So here we are. You have them having the strength to batter things with their Zimmer frames, yeah. but they're still quite slow. Although actually, I've been hit with a Zimmer frame, so. It's not impossible, but... Is it painful being hit by his inner frame? Well, it was thrown at me, so I dodged, but... Uh, um, so you can make a companion. No, they're, they're relatively light, so as long... Uh, unless you're being repeatedly hit with them, that would hurt. As as any kind of metallic object. Yes, any, yeah, blunt, any blunt o- object that you're being face. repeatedly hit with. <gasps> Hello. Roy's. Oh, it's the fairy tale and good riddance. Yes. <laughs> actually, the scissors um, reminds me of actually Edge of Destruction because that was quite controversial at the time because there's one sequence in which one of the companions is kind of quasi possessed and she has scissors and she attacks. One of the other companions with her, with, the, with a pair of scissors, it was just quite controversial because they didn't mind ray, ray guns and things, but anything that could be imitated, yeah, anything that... uh, was a problem. Um, so that was quite reminiscent of it. I just remember seeing with the scissors, oh, old people falling off buildings. Hey, that can't be replicated. No. <laughs> I think this is. The first of first many of deaths. Death. So how many has he had? Because he gets killed in the next story as well, at the end of... Um, in the crack at the end of... Uh, cold Blood. And he comes back in... Uh, t- and the end of the series. Um, and then... Uh, he dies... You have... His apparent death in the Doctor's wife is it aged mm. Rory? I can't remember. It must be somewhere like that. I don't know how many times. Sorry, I was I was watching the episode. And there's um, in um, the 
because of the back spots, the whole uh, resuscitating Rory, and yeah. they really drag that out. So, yeah, but if he dies, he's going back anyway. <laughs> Oh, the whole death thing is also slightly Inception. Mm. A lot of programmes have done this idea that when you... Oh, that's true, though. Like, what? I... I'm just trying to think of something now. I've managed to, managed to say it to you. I can't think of anything. But... So Amy's, of course... Amy's now decided that this is the dream. More out of hope that Rory's woken up somewhere having died. I think with this is one of the moments where they handle the Amy and Rory relationship really well. Mm. Uh, I do think it's a bit inconsistent the way they handle it. Like I think we've discussed before the whole her uh, kissing, wanting to kiss the doctor on her wedding day mm. thing, and um, yeah. It's interesting that she's she's so such she's actually she's happy to kill the doctor too. Part of Amy knows that there is a risk that mm. if she dies here, she could be wrong. This could be not be the dream. She could just die, but she's willing to take the doctor in the car with her. And he's willing to get in the car with her. Maybe with the whole um, Rory multiple deaths thing, it's going to end. The program's going to turn up quite a. You're going to get the reincarnation of Barry Letts as producer, and it's going to go and take a quite, quite a Buddhist, Buddhist, Buddhist move. Barry Letts being Buddhist, well he was until he died. Rory. Um, was he getting some of the Pertwee stories? Hmm. The whole. Well, I think with Stephen Moffat, it's more likely to be some. Um, technological solution if not the library then some clever um, kiss with the whole It's convenient that he, um, despite dying before Amy and the Doctor in the other yeah. world, he wakes up exactly the same time as them. Hmm. Oh, that would be quite good, is if he'd woken up earlier, walked around to try and find him in the TARDIS, and when they those two wake up, he's not there. Hmm. Well, because essentially he should have woken up first. Yeah. And well, then, and then it, they... if it's mainly Amy's dream... Yeah. I don't think we need to think too much into it really it's just an interesting point <laughs> no it could be quite a nice nice trick of the fact that Rory there is actually dead <laughs> not actually in this one I do like that idea that the Dream Lord actually has no control over the real world. So that's why he has to set up the two dreams. I. You don't like that idea. Uh, well, he, uh, he just kind of undercut the whole danger that was set up in the episode and also 
it felt like the Dream Lord could have been an interesting recurring character uh, with actually quite a lot of power, but we didn't really quite mysterious in that. And I thought that this end just completely, basically, the space coke ending just completely undermines that. Mm. Yeah, I thought the ending's a bit too neat. And I think the glimpse you get of the Dream Lord in the TARDIS perhaps hints at something else. But I think um, it was, does take something of the tech te- deflates it attention a bit too much at the end here and I would like to see the dream world return again in some form and for it to be revealed that uh, he does have some more existence than just psychic pollen <laughs> yeah because I would be perfectly happy I mean we might be a bit lame they figured out which is the right one and then the dream world goes okay yeah I'm going and they and they avoid dying, but then of course he can return. If you're one of these strange characters, has a very high sense of playing by the rules of the game, type thing. Mm. Bit, uh, it's a bit celestial toy maker. Well, I do like the idea of the celestial toy maker a lot, but I I I, I do like the um, I don't mind the idea that he's the Doctor's uh, dark side, but uh, I think. Um, yeah, for him to develop some kind of independent existence makes him up more interesting. I was going to see if Moffat could create some techno kind of extraction of the dark energy inside the Doctor or something, mm. which is made manifest or something. Mm. The negative impulses in the brain, quasi uh, mind of evil <laughs> thing. Yeah. Oh, kissy kissy. So you only get that when you don't have the ponytail. (laughs) 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 Very appropriate, Doctor. Applause. Do we actually have the episode title mentioned in the actual story? Not, not very often. I don't, well, there's a quiz question for you. Yeah. Yeah, I just 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 think it doesn't seem to happen that that often. It happens more in films, I think. Yeah. Than it does in. It depends on. It depends on how you come up with your episode titles. It depends on whether it's directly based on the story, which this one was, or whether you take them from sort of... A lot of episodes, um, TV series, take their episode titles by um, a play on words. Um, An awful lot of TV series do that. Charmed did it for a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of a series that did it. Well, I was watching Robin Hood, the BBC adaptation last night, and um, they do it as well. I'm sure there's more examples of TV series that do that, but then if you do it that way, it tends not to be mentioned in the Good. in the episode because it wouldn't you can't contextually man- no. manage it. But so we've just managed to talk over the trailer for the next episode, which is the Solurian two-parter, isn't it? Yep. Starting with the Hungry Earth. Yes, which was rumoured to be called the Ground Beneath Our Feet or something like that, which. Um, it would have been a slightly better title, I think. Probably the way it was too long. Yeah. Because yeah. what, what, what's the second episode called? Cold Blood. Cold Blood. Because the beast below is referenced in uh, The Rhyme. Yeah, that's in the... the beast below. Victory of the Dark Stick thinks so. Um, I don't think there's many. There must. There are a few. Let's see. Rose, yes. Cause that's yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> not <Rose>. hard. <laughs> Um, the, the end of the world, yes. Welcome yeah. to the end of the world. Vampire yeah. Dead, no. Aliens of London, no. Mm-hmm. World War Three, possibly. Ooh, probably, it probably was said somewhere. Um, Dalek, I mean, with the oh, single yeah. word. Yeah, so the single world one, it's difficult. Let's see. Uh, the long game. I doubt no, it. No. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Father's Day, no. The Empty Child, not quite, but it does reference some of the dialogue. It yeah. talks about how he's empty. The Doctor Dances, yes. Yeah, he just said Doctor Dances. Um, Boomtown, no. I doubt it. Uh, Bad Wolf, yes. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Parting of the Ways. No, no. I don't. I don't. I could say that. I a, a lot of the end of um, series titles are quite um, interchangeable because mm. um, the Parting of the Ways and Doomsday you could easily swap those titles around. Yeah. And Journey's End, it's something generically um, finale sounding. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably more than we think, actually, then, maybe. Mm. So how, how, how do you think it holds up this episode? I can't believe I'm about to say this. I think Swindon's right. Oh dear. Um, I do like what they did with most of the concept, but the ending and the explanation is quite rushed and just sort of a few words are thrown out there just to explain why it happens. But I like the idea of the Dream Lord mm. um, and I think the two worlds are done well. Yeah, I think I remember quite enjoying it at the time. and quite enjoyed it on a second viewing. I think, I think it... Um, worked well for the reasons I outlined at the beginning um, mm. I forgot that they did some nice character stuff with Rory and Amy yeah. Yeah. more than they had done early days Rory could be a bit wet and annoying mm. I think he's less so in this which I liked this is the start of him getting better and having an actual well that know. did start him vampires of Venice. yes that is the start yeah, of him true, yeah. from that. Um, I said like Dream Lord it, yeah, the ending undercuts for me, and I would obviously it would have been more interesting, but obviously they wouldn't have done it to be slightly more ambiguous as to what was the real world, what wasn't, and maybe play with that more. Mm. But I understand why they wouldn't do that. So, and it's whether can you do it satisfactorily in such a short time? Well, yeah, I mean, you probably want to do it over a longer period of time, but that goes into the whole episode structure, which of course I've written on before. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. extensively. Yeah, so you, you can read um, story arc of infinity, one of Sivin's articles on the bog so an overall thumbs up with a few reservations about the ending yeah um, yeah i think i think that qualifies as a as a good episode thanks to who's he for tweeting at us um be interested to see what uh james Willits has to say about this <laughs> um uh if he wants to come back on this again um, reminded to defend, of his dislike of this episode to, to defend uh his original review but uh, yes, uh, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com, or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter like us on Facebook or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com Thanks for listening <laughs>